Well now, good and gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together in this sanctuary be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, sisters and brothers, grace to you this morning and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Of all the seasons of the year, Christmas really is the most complete. All the sights and sounds and fragrances and memories associated with this very special season. And every week during the season of Advent, we've lit a new candle in worship, reminders of the gifts God brings. We lit a candle for hope, the sense of leaning forward with our lives and living wide-eyed and on tiptoe. We lit a candle for peace. And is there anything our world needs more? Is there anything our hearts need more? We lit a candle last week for joy, and today we lit a candle for love. But may I tell you a secret today? My favorite word at Christmas isn't one of those four. I'm grateful for love, joy, hope, and peace. Welcome gifts, to be sure. And yet, my favorite word at Christmas is found in a book of the Bible that doesn't even mention the Christmas story. There's no Bethlehem here, no shepherds, no wise men, no angels. doesn't say anything about Mary or Joseph or the baby. My favorite word at Christmas is found in Paul's brief little letter to his young friend Titus. And though it's not a nativity passage per se, Titus 3-4 expresses the heart of the Christmas gospel as well as any verse in all of Scripture. When the kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. That's my word, the kindness of God. We're in a season right now in which we remember how the word became flesh. In him, the kindness and love of God showed up for all people right here in our midst. And when that baby in a manger grew up, there was a kindness in him, a kindness in Jesus that enabled him always to do things that were part of the answer and not part of the problem. As Paul says, when the kindness of God appeared, he saved us, not because of any good deeds that we ourselves had done, but because of God's own mercy. We live in an age... These days, when kindness appears to be in short supply. Not long ago, an article appeared in the Journal of Positive Psychology, authored by two sisters, twin sisters actually, both professors, one at the University of Wisconsin, the other at the London Business School. And in their research, they had tracked among the millions of American books to have been digitized how frequently words related to moral excellence and virtue appeared over the entire 20th century. And what they found was that the word love and kindness, as well as patience, faithfulness, and humility, have declined in use by 50% or more in the modern age. Moral ideals and virtues, they concluded, have largely waned from the public conversation. Kindness in our public discourse and, in the, ex- and the exercise of patience, humility, mutual respect in public arenas, especially with those with whom we disagree, 
are all but absent in 21st century America. From language in the White House that humiliates and threatens and bullies, to the halls of Congress in which cooperation and compromise are viewed as dirty words by some on both sides of the aisle, to the pettiness and sarcasm and vitriol on social media and many news outlets, to, worst of all, the pettiness, sarcasm, and vitriol in me sometimes. It's hard to remember a time when kindness and civility existed in American public life. Actually, though we might assume that confrontation and rancor uh, are products of the modern age, in truth, there never was a true golden age of purely constructive discourse in American life. Democracy is messy, and controversial issues have always generated strong feelings. During the presidential campaign of 1800, Thomas Jefferson's supporters accused the incumbent, John Adams, of being, and I quote, a hideously hermaphroditical character. Adam's followers countered with cries that murdery, robbery, rape, adultery, and incest will all be openly taught and practiced during a Jefferson presidency. During the bitter pre-Civil War period, screamings and beatings were commonplace on the floors of Congress. But when the kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Friends, everybody in this room possesses the ability to show kindness to someone else. Yes, but, some people will say, people might think you condone such and such if you're kind. But you know what? I wouldn't worry too much about that. In fact, I invite you this morning to think of a situation in your family, in your community, or country, or world that would ever warrant being unkind. Of course, kindness has a lot to do with our ability and willingness to step into another person's shoes. A few years ago, the Cleveland Clinic produced a five-minute video called Empathy. I watched it this week, and it begins with a quote by Thoreau. Could a greater miracle, he said, take place than for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant? And then in this video, you're led on this walking tour of some hospital, And there are are thought bubbles above the heads of the people that you encounter, revealing to the viewer what they're experiencing inside uh, as unseen and unknown by the people around them. Above the head of one man, you read, wife had a stroke, wonders how he will care for her. And then above the head of a woman, heading into day 29 of chemo treatments. And above another, always wanted a child of her own. And it goes on and on and on, and and the video offers this powerful and sobering reminder that behind the faces and beneath the words and demeanors and behaviors of the people around us are suffering and fear and pain enough to break your heart. As someone once said, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. This is one of the things I love most about this church, by the way. 
someone I was traveling recently in Atlanta, and somebody just asked, as people will ask, pastors, uh, tell me about your church. And the first thing that came out of my mouth, because it was the first thing in my mind, was they are a kind bunch. I love that about you. Friends, kindness is one of the greatest gifts any of us can give to another person. If a child has just one adult outside of his or her family who is kind to him or her, it can change that child's life. I want to tell you a story this morning, and it's all the more wonderful because it happens to be true. My mother, Barbara, was a school teacher for most of her working life. For more than 25 years, she taught students in middle school and high school in Orlando. My mom is a great teacher, passionate, creative, enthusiastic. She loved her students, and they loved her right back. They named her Mrs. P for Pennington. Well, some years ago, in mom's middle school gifted class, there was a young girl named Rachel. Rachel's parents had died in an automobile accident, and she was being raised by her grandparents. Rachel was a quiet child, shy socially, and and, and pretty awkward. And her grandmother made all of her clothes, so she was always kind of an easy target for ridicule. Well, it was Christmas time, and it was the final day before the students would leave for the holiday, and so many of the students had brought presents for the teacher, and there was a growing pile of gifts on my mother's desk. And then Rachel stood and began walking up the aisle with her hands held behind her back, and some of the other kids who could see what was in her hands began snickering, but Rachel was oblivious to all of that. She had this big smile on her face. I've got something for you, Mrs. P., she said, and then she presented her gift. It was a gaudy red and green crocheted bag. Rachel said, my grandma was going to throw this away, but I told her you would like it. Now all the kids in the class were snickering, and my mother began praying on the spot, Lord God, tell me what to say in this moment. Give me the words. And mom loosened the drawstrings of the bag and she peered inside the empty sack and then it came to her. Rachel, my mother gasped dramatically with this wide smile on her face. Oh my goodness, how did you know? I have always wanted this. You could not have given me a more perfect gift. And the other kids stopped snickering and began leaning forward. What is it? They were saying. And mom continued praising this red and green bag. And then she got to her feet with the bag in her hand and began walking up and down the aisles of the classroom. Do you know what this is? She said to the class. Do you know what Rachel has given me? No, what's inside? What's inside? Show us. The kids were falling all over each other to see what was in the bag. They were completely absorbed. And then with great flair... My mom said, it's a bag of possibilities. Everybody needs possibilities. And she reached into the bag and began flinging the invisible contents on the heads of all the children in the classroom. Possibilities are the greatest things of all, she said, because you can be anything. You can do anything when you're full of possibilities. 
And then one of the kids spoke up, I want some possibilities. And another kid hollered, you missed me, give me some possibilities. And mom spent the next 10 minutes dousing her class with possibilities. Rachel went home a hero that day. And for the next 15 years until my mother retired, that gaudy red and green bag hung on the back of her classroom chair and became part of her classroom ritual. Before every test, before every presentation, the kids in her class would beg her to shower them with possibilities. Friends, kindness like that comes straight from the heart of God. The prophet Isaiah, when speaking of the one whom God was sending into the world, said about that tender servant, a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning candle he will not snuff out. And when Christ walked among us on human feet, he was the very face of God's love and kindness. He healed people and fed people and gathered children into his arms and ate with outcasts and said to sinners, I don't condemn you. And even as he hung dying from the cross, he cried out our forgiveness. Father, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And I wonder if it was that moment that Paul was thinking about when he wrote to young Titus, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, and wrong, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Friends, in this holy season, I invite you, as I myself am invited, to embody the kindness of God. We may not be heroes, we may not be brilliant or brave or uncommonly gifted, but every one of us can choose to be kind. And so, present, loving God, we thank you that because of your great kindness, you came to us. And may we not only be recipients of that kindness, but also people who offer it in extravagant ways. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.